Welcome to another episode of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Well, welcome to the Week Pastors Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on another brand new episode. Uh, it's kind of a rainy, dreary day here in New Jersey. How's it in Ohio? It is sunny and 84 degrees. Oh my goodness. We're I know. I that. don't get to We're say that, that often. We're getting that tomorrow, I think. We're Are supposed you? to be 90s this weekend. Yeah. I was looking at my friend who lives in Charlotte. Um, shout out to Michelle. And it said it was 97 degrees there and sunny. 97 no, degrees. No, that's not fun. I don't, miss I don't that like part. it when it's that hot. No, yeah, it's no. too hot for me. No, it's like a yeah. sauna. Yeah, hot and humid. No, no bueno. No but bueno. Yeah, I mean, I don't get to say this frequently, but it's sunny and 84 degrees in Columbus, everyone. <laughs> okay, there you go. There really you go. Good. All right. Well, listen, we have a great we have a great show today, and we're going to continue in our How do you know? How do you know? Do you know, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna hit on the part three, but we'll get to that in just a little bit. But Sue, I have a question for you that I'd like to ask, and I don't know if you can answer it, but share with, have you ever bench pressed? No. No? <laughs> well, all right, share with me, have you ever like worked out with weights? Yes, but not, you've never done I like, do, I do, but I use free weights. I don't use. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah. was there ever a time like you really impress yourself and you're like, wow, I just used a, a pretty, pretty high weight. Like, do you have I, like, What's you know, the what's the what's the heaviest dumbbells you've ever used? I want I'm people to know to think, how I mean, I you use, are. I think the highest right now that I do yeah. is like twenty five in each hand. Yo, so wait, wait, about like what fifty you, you, total. Twenty five pounds in each hand to do pre- like presses. Like if I'm doing like bench pressing press presses, yeah, 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 on the bench. Whoa, you use twenty five um, pounders, huh? Yeah, but you know what? Remember, I've been working out pretty um Yeah, yeah, so steadily. what was the highest you've ever done in the past? No, no, no. So that's probably the highest I've gone okay, recently. Okay. But um I we recently moved. I keep talking about this, but we recently yeah. moved and we only moved about like we moved like literally 0.2 miles away from our last home. And so my husband had this brilliant idea that we don't need to hire movers. He said so he hired movers to move like the big things like the beds, but yeah. then everything else like um you know, like our tables, to save money. our chairs, our oh, coffee God. tables, our TVs, um, gym equipment. Like he basically was like, we can do this because it's more annoying. It's more annoying to have to pack them up with those peanuts and yeah. all the stuff. Yeah. So if this way we can just stuff everything in like Ikea bags or boxes and then we can just bring it over in our truck. And you know what? When he said it like that, it didn't sound so bad. But then after like four weeks straight of just moving boxes <laughs> every single day, I really think our marriage hit a really rocky Oh, yeah. Point. But I will tell you, my husband, after we finished all of it, he was like, you know, I have to say, you're really strong. Because <laughs> <laughs> we what? were carrying like crazy dining tables, just him and me. What? Um, yeah. And I remember the neighbors would be looking and be like, do you guys need help? He's like, she's got it. <laughs> she's got it. <laughs> And my arms, like I would be lying in bed at night after moving eight hours of furniture and my arms would just be like, I couldn't feel them. Like they were just like, I can't feel my arms. But man. I realized, man, like this is practical. Like strength training is you practical. You are so strong. Yeah, I am. Wow. You know, yeah, I am. I, I have brute, brute strength. I think. Have you ever squatted? Have you ever squatted? I do squats, but again, I don't do. Oh, you because, don't use weights? Yeah, I'm, I used to. John bought the 
John consulted, you know, your Maven friend Taylor. Yes, yes. Because he's like the rogue expert. Yes, he is. Because you know, rogue headquarters is in Columbus. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know. So that. we went down there and he bought like the, what is it called? Like the bracket? I don't know. Yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so yeah. He, we have one. We consulted okay. Taylor, the expert, and we got like all this stuff. So I used to use it, but then I realized like it's much easier for me to just use free weights. Um, but yeah, I mean... So uh, I want you to get your squat back up, all right? I, I need you to... I, I think you're capable of potentially squatting like 185 to 225. Okay, let me let me see. I can okay. deadlift. I can, I'm pretty good at deadlifting. Okay, but, okay. But, okay, okay. But can I tell you a funny story? Right. So wait, wait, recently, do you know how much, how much did you ever deadlift? No, I don't know. I'm going to try. I'm going to go downstairs after this episode and I will reveal <laughs> my answer next Just week. Just don't throw out your back. Please don't throw no, out so your back. So listen, so we, we recently... <laughs> so. I'm redecorating my porch, right? Okay, okay. And uh, we bought these planters. Yeah. Um, you know what planters are? Like no, they're I don't. like I have the, no idea they're like they the things that you put in the front of your door with some flowers on it usually. Oh yeah, yeah. Just okay, kind of okay. decorate your front yeah, yeah, door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we bought these big planters, and they're pretty light because they're plastic. Okay. Um, but you can fill them with water like all okay. the way. So yeah. I did not think this through. I bought two of these. I put the flowers in, and then I was like, oh, I don't want to bring the hose around so i'm just gonna fill them here and then i'll bring them up the stairs oh my god but goodness. i but obviously i'm not thinking this through because once you fill these large pots with water like how Super the heck heavy. do i expect yeah. to bring this up but i didn't yeah. either i overestimated yeah. my strength yeah yeah so it's so funny because i fill them up and then i'm like bringing them up and i'm like oh this is i can do this so i can do this so you see me you can see me on the ring you know the doorbell camera yeah. like you can see me falling <laughs> I'm, I'm like struggling and I'm bringing this thing up and then I make it up the staircase and then I trip and everything fell. Hey, <laughs> and do then you, do the, you the planter, like all the soil just fell out in front of my house. Wait, do you, do you, do you have that recorded somewhere? Can I? You do? And John okay. keeps saying he's going to watch it. I'm like, I'm going to kill you. Oh, all right. You got to post it. You got to post it when you post this. <laughs> this episode you Let me do see if okay I can go try. but it That's was kind of the it was such a it was such a demoralizing moment <laughs> like i mean literally Sua, i just you know one gallon weighs eight pounds right so but, how many gallons do you think was in that i don't know but it was really heavy <laughs> and i just literally stumbled and fell all over my front door with all of this potting soil on just falling <laughs> all over my front door okay uh, i'm gonna guess your deadlift weight okay i'm gonna okay. guess your deadlift okay. max your max okay Okay. Uh, and you know how to do a deadlift, so don't Shoot, hurt I'm your gonna, back. I'm going to throw out my back during this. No, I'm don't like, do this. Get a little competitive. I, I feel that you can probably do at least 185. No way. Yeah. I cannot do 185. If you 185. don't do 185, I'm going to be disappointed. Stop it. Because That's you do Peloton. Crazy. You do Peloton. You Peloton's do... all lower body. Right. Well, actually, hence, yeah. The, no, the legs. Is, the yeah, you're right. You're right. You're so right. I'm thinking I'm going to say 185. Well, how much can you do? You know what? I haven't done deadlifts in a long time, but years, um, a couple years ago at Maven, I don't know. I forget how much it was. It was. It was three hundred. I think it was in the low three hundreds. Really? It's not. That's not a lot. That's not that much. That's not bad. That's I mean, I guess bad, I, you are much taller great. than me and stronger. It's not great. Yeah, I do eighty pushups in ninety seconds. No, but. I, I think you can. I honestly, I think if you train, no I think you could easily get to two twenty five. Stop. I'm I gonna really become do. like this crazy jacked person. Yo, you're I don't gonna have, have like these jack quads and hamstrings. People are gonna be like, "Are you a bodybuilder?" <laughs> Let's get you there. Let's get you there. Okay. Let's get you I there. I feel like we are. Our <laughs> podcast is becoming a weird, um, like body fitness, like weird. <laughs> thing. There you go. Did we talk know. about bodies last time too? I, I yeah, we talked about if you can get plastic surgery. No, we talked we... about the remember the body sculpting bible for women when John put me on the program. Oh, that's right. 
I swear, this is another extension of that conversation. Oh, that's hilarious. I just want to know like, what you max. Because, I mean, listen, I want to see like how strong you are because you right. are a, a martial artist. When, so. jo when John comes home, I will have him set up the rack for me. There you go. And then we'll test your theory. Okay. I don't okay. think I can get so up to start that off, high, though. Start off really light. Start off with like, you know, like, uh, like, like 60 pounds and then go to like 95 and then go like 115, go 135 and then go like, well, you know. <laughs> Then you slap on the quarters and then you do the 185. Don't do too we'll much because you're going to we'll get see. tired. Okay? We'll and we'll make sure see. you warm up well so you don't pull anything. And if you can take pictures or video and you put that up, that would be pretty cool. Okay. What does that have anything to do with our podcast? Gotta, just got to give them insight, Literally, I just did the intro where we were like, welcome to our podcast where we talk about vulnerability. Yes, Let's that's right. And that's then this right. is like, look how strong I am. Like, it's literally the opposite you're, of no, what you're, we're you're being marketing. Real. You're being vulnerable. You're being vulnerable. By talking right. about how strong I am. Yes. Makes no sense. No, Start by the podcast. By talking, by showing how strong you are. Okay. You're demonstrating how strong you are. Sure. Anyway, I don't see it, okay. But okay. All right. All right. Well, let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. So we're, we're, today we're going to talk about how do you know? Um, part three. If, part three. Uh, if, if God is calling you to do something, like how can you discern God's calling? Yeah. In your life, which is a huge question. I mean, many of us really, it's, this is like the million dollar question. How do you know if God is calling you? How do you know it's not just you, you know, and things like that? Or how do you know, like, maybe you just hate your job, so you're just trying to figure out a way, like, oh, wait, you know, maybe God is calling me to do this. How can we discern God's calling? That's an important question. Sue, how, like, over the years, like, I'm sure you've had friends who've talked to you about that. I mean, you've had to discern that as well. Like, when you were working, when you're working as a social worker, and I gave you a call, and I was like, hey, you want to come and work on staff at a church? So you've, you've had some some things where you've had to discern the calling of God. So how have you been able to discern that? Well, I do want to say I recently heard a sermon that completely changed the way I think about that whole idea of calling. Okay. Because, you know, when I was young, I would always be like, I wonder what God's purpose and calling for my life is. Is it that I'm going to go into business or is it that I'm going to be a hairdresser? Or like it was very specific um, yeah. career paths. Yeah. But then I re like they, the sermon was basically talking about how God's calling is not always synonymous with a job. You mm. know, it's like God's calling in our lives, first and foremost, is just that we are to glorify God. Like that is, so it's not always linked with exactly a career. Now, yeah. that makes it sound a little bit more vague, I guess. It's a little bit less clear. Um, but I did want to say that because I thought that was very interesting because I had not ever heard, like anytime people talk about calling, I always... Yeah associated with like what's the job that god designed me to do but i do wonder like if i die and go to heaven and i spent my life let's say as an elementary school teacher would god be like yeah that's really great that you touched all these lives during your 40 years as a teacher but that was not the calling that i had planned for you like do you think this is a possibility that god would be like you got the calling all wrong and that was like not the one for you uh, no I, I i think that does happen though i think i think people do well i i think most christians don't discern what calling mm. god may be placing upon their life they're just kind of going and doing life the best they can and so you know i mean i don't know if god's going to hold them to that i mean only god can do that right but i do know that you know when you read the bible that there are you know kids born and babies born and there's like a purpose you know and god does significantly mm -hmm. call people mm -hmm. to certain things so i think that's a very biblical thing um, you know, in it as well. And sometimes the calling comes later in life. Sometimes it comes, you know, at birth, you're called, you know, to do this. So okay, your calling I, change depending on your life oh, stage. Um, 
Yeah, I guess so. I mean, listen, I don't, I don't, I don't have the corner market on that stuff on, on on calling and discerning it. All I do know is that I know that I am living out the calling or the purpose that God has created me for. I do feel like God creates everyone for a purpose, mm -hmm. and uh, and it's important that we try to figure that out, and um, you know, and do our best because in, if you can live out your purpose, it's never going to be easy. I think it's going to be hard. Whatever calling God calls you to. But at the end, it's it, it's it's the sense of fulfillment because I mean, Sue, when I worked when I worked in the marketplace, when I worked for NBC, I mean, it was a pretty cool job. I was making commercials for the network, helping with that and stuff like that. I thought it was like a pretty fun job. I was going to work in my shorts, you know, and stuff like that, that in the awesome. summertime. It sounds so cool, right? It's like I work for NBC. Yeah, everyone else is like you know, so wearing glamorous. their suits. I'm wearing a t-shirt and a pair of shorts, you know, and I'm in an edit room and stuff like that. And so it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, like to see commercials that you worked on on TV. TV and stuff like that and you're like oh that's cool I worked on that you know and stuff but like I I was just so empty it just was it led to like I was just miserable I, I didn't enjoy why? it I think in the why beginning, were you miserable if it's fun and you can wear shorts so it, all the time why are you miserable it was fun in the beginning yeah. uh, I really did enjoy it in the beginning but in the end I just it was like very empty for me it wasn't it wasn't making me like I, I didn't feel like this was like what I was called to do for the mm -hmm. rest of my life like I could I guess I could keep doing it um, and it's a decent living, but it just felt like, you know, it just, it just didn't fit. I, this is, this is not what fit, this is not what I felt like I was called to do. Cause I think part of it was that I really wanted to do something that I felt was more fulfilling. And so this is how I discern God's call and I'm taking it for what it's worth, but this is how it helped me because during that time, um, when I started working at NBC, the first couple of years, like I didn't you know I was, ser I was serving in the church. I was, you know, wholeheartedly. I think I was like the best. I was a pastor's dream. I mean, any pastor <laughs> would love to have me be a part of their church because I served my butt off. I just served. I served in youth ministry, worship ministry, Bible study. I led small groups for the church. I organized that together. So I mean, you I just did, did more everything. as a volunteer than as a senior pastor now. <laughs> hey, 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 that's not right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, literally, I just did so much. And I went to prayer, early morning prayer meetings. Because it gave you joy? It just gave me, I just felt, I fell in love with the church mm. in a way that I'd never fallen in love with the church. I mean, really, I did. And so, um, you know, when I started first working at NBC, you know, I mean, I loved my job. I thought it was good. It was fun, you know, but at the end, it just, I mean, I was doing all-nighters sometimes, you know. Um, I hated the fact, like, you know, like, if somebody died, somebody famous, like, oh, my God, you're on call. Um, and then sometimes, like, it's just the, the production world is a very unpredictable world, and sometimes you're there for long, long hours mm -hmm, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And it just wasn't fulfilling my soul. It wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't feeling like this was what I was meant to do. And so it all culminated really when this one guy came, I still remember his name is Pastor Bob O. And, uh, and he's from California. And he said, if you want to discern God's calling, here is how you discern it. And I, I still think the formula. This is, here it is. Here's the, if there's ever a formula, I think this is the best formula. He said, if education, family, other relationships, finances wasn't an issue what would you be doing with your life and he said whatever that is that's what god wants you to do that's your calling what if it's like sitting home and watching netflix all day <laughs> <laughs> I, listen i don't know but for when he said that oh my god you goodness. knew exactly what it was yeah because at the end of the day, he's talking about calling that's connected to vocation, okay? Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can't make money sitting home sure. and watching Netflix. I sure. mean, you can do that. You can, actually. There is apparently a job for 
oh, I forgot. It's like a market Netflix research watcher? type of thing. Yeah, what? it's like a market research type of thing where you just watch TV shows all day and rate them. Okay, okay. Not well, sure how much money you would make to yeah, be sustainable for a, I don't. I don't know. I don't life, know. But, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, okay, but cu- talking about money, right? Yes, it sounds nice. I'm just going to play the devil's advocate yeah, here. Yeah, go for it. Sure, that sounds nice to be like, do the thing that God created you to do, which is the thing that brings you the most joy and don't really think about all of these logistical yeah. um, things that, you know, like finances or like what your family expects of you or like what you need for yep. education or, you know, to live a cer- certain privileged life. Like, don't think about these things. Basically, just think about what makes your heart sing and pursue that sounds really nice but i feel like it also doesn't sound very realistic for Mm. many people um i will go back a little bit and say when i was 17 and in senior year of high school and applying for um, colleges i specifically applied so i went to nyu and Mm. i went to nyu i went to their stern business school and i went there specifically because i was going to be a businesswoman okay like i had lofty goals of working in wall street um i was basically on my way to doing it right i think most of my friends who went to school with me are that they are in the wall street banking world they're i bankers um they're accountants you know they're finance people whatever it is that they do um but i very quickly within my two years at stern realized like this is not what i want to do because and the reason why i found that out was because I was spending all this time doing my studies in accounting and finance, but in my free time, I was going and volunteering at children's hospitals, like for go. fun, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it hit me, what, like in my second year of college, like why am I, because I wasn't feeling fulfilled doing the yeah. studies that I was. And so I, in order for me to find meaning and fulfillment, I had to go outside and do something completely different. And go. it was one of those moments where like, wait, is this what I want to do for the rest of my life? Like why am I, but it was a really big problem because if you're working in business, you make good money. Like right. you're guaranteed a very stable socioeconomic status. My parents were excited for me because as you know, you mentioned this about Christina last week, parents want you to have a comfortable life. Yeah. So they were very happy for me that I was you know, pursuing my studies in business, right? But then when I finally decided at the end of sophomore year in college, I don't want to do this. I want to transfer out and go into social work. My parents were not happy. Right. <laughs> they were not happy, especially my dad. He was like, are you sure? This right. is the trajectory that you want for your life because you are going to be really poor. Right. Um, and I had to really confront the reality of like my salary, my possible range of salary just dropped like two figures basically. Right. So yeah. these are so, real concerns, I think. Yeah. But what's the problem? You made the right choice. So I, I think what you're saying is from what I'm hearing from you, Sue, is simply this. Like, you cannot pick a vocation just because of money. It's the wrong choice. It's the wrong choice. Um, you know, you got to pick a vocation, like you just said, that brings you life. And if money, situation, family, relationships, even geography wasn't an issue, what would you be doing with your life? You got to be able to answer that question. And that's what you got to do. Because but I it think, was, But yeah. I think for me, it was a bit more simple because I had not yet established a certain lifestyle. Sure, sure. So... It, it was more all it was more of a shifting of expectations for the future yeah. than yeah. having to actually change my reality so for example if i have a if i if you know somebody like let's say a friend um hates their job right very miserable feels unfulfilled however 
They have a mortgage. They have a family. They have all of these things that they have to maintain. It's very hard to then say, well, you know what? I know I have to pay all of these bills, but screw it. I'm not feeling happy. So I'm just going to go and take a huge pay cut and um, pursue what makes me happy. Do you think, is that kind of the way you think they should go about it? Yes. Okay. I okay. do. I, I, have to, I have told people to quit. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You know, Elaborate the reason, on that. Well, I just think most, most folks, uh, they, they live way beyond their means. Hmm. And they can, you don't, need a, you don't need a lot of money to raise children. All right. You just don't. You don't need it. Uh, you know, if that was the case and you couldn't raise kids in the third world countries, you know, and stuff, it's, it's how you're living. And so part of this is that you got to reduce your standard of living and you got to be able to swallow disappointing people in your life. I think as long as your spouse, if you're married, as long as your spouse is for it and is with it, I think you go for it because, you know, I was married. I got married. And, you know, at the time, Jenny believed I was going to continue to work in this industry, even though she, I told her I'd ministry is something I'm thinking about. Um, but had I not made that choice and, and changed and pivoted from career paths, I would have been miserable. And she saw how miserable I was getting, you know. And, you know, life's too short. Like, <laughs> I'm telling you, life is too short to be living, um, to be miserable just so that you can live in a nice house. And give your kids some stuff. I mean, that's just not... I mean, the best thing you can give to your child is really just a life where you can be fully involved with them and, uh, and, and, and be able to um, love on them and, and spend time with them in a way where you can. And that, that, to me, is like the life that you should be focused on living. And so, any event, yeah. So, my, my encouragement is that I think you really need a career path change, um, you know, and, and within regions, but your spouse has to be with it. If your spouse isn't, then that's a whole different ballgame. But that's part of talking through. But really, it's this idea of, you know, God doesn't want you to do something that you really don't want to do. Uh, he's not about you. You know, he doesn't want you to necessarily be miserable and things like that. I do believe that God has a calling and part of that, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. It's never going to be easy, but it's what he's wired you for. And you know that this is at the end of the day, you have that and you're like, well, I'm doing what God's called me to do uh, in my life. And so can you make mistakes? Can you hear God's calling? And then you do it and then you're like, oh, I made a mistake. I've yeah, of course you can. I've I've noticed I, I, people have done that in the past. I just think what's important is that once you start to figure out what God's calling is, I think you need to have like a group of godly people pray with you and confirm it. Mm -hmm. You can't be doing a spiritual bungee jump on your own because that's really dangerous. Yeah. I think it's really yeah. dangerous. You're like, well, you know what? This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then you're like, uh, okay. But I just think you need, because God speaks through the symphony of his people and if, if you know people, because when God called me into ministry, I went to my pastor and I said, I need you to pray for me mm -hmm. because I'm sensing God is calling me to ministry. But, you know, like I'm working and you know, I'm about ready to get married, you know, and stuff like that. But I need you to pray. Is God really calling me to ministry or not? And he spent time praying for me, you know, and at the end he said, no, he's, he's like, I sense God's calling you into ministry. And I took that, you know, with some of my close friends. I said, OK, well, I'm doing this then. I'm going to I'm going to go for it. So I just think you need to have other godly yeah, people. Yeah like that you trust, but that's non-biased. Don't, don't have your parents do this because your parents will be like, no, you stay, you be a lawyer, you be a doctor, right? God wants you to, wants you to do that. You got to pick people who are neutral and they're godly and they know you and they'll speak the God's honest truth to you. Well, that's, that's what you need. That's funny that you bring up parents because um, when I was working, so once I decided I was going to be a social worker, which yeah. I've 
throughout the entire my entire time in social work graduate school i was so happy um because everything that they talked about i felt like was jesus yeah even though i was in this extremely liberal and progressive um graduate school it was everything that they were talking about like justice and you know advocacy and i was like this is all what jesus did in his life so everything aligned for me and it was kind of like ah you know like yeah it was great um then i went to go work at a hospital which again you know was great yeah but let me tell you something very interesting in my fifth year working at columbia as a medical social worker my mom calls me up she was in korea at the time my mom calls me up and she goes hey so i've been praying about you and um i i have this sense that god is telling me that he's going to ask you something very big like he's going to ask you to do something very big that makes no sense. This is mm-hmm. what my mom said. And she said, but before you say no, he wants you to th- really think about it. Like he wants you to pray about it. Don't just say no way. Pray about it. Yeah, this yeah, is what she yeah. said. And I'm like, what in the world are you talking about? Like, I'm literally like uh, thinking of all the weird scenarios of like what God's going to ask me to do. Like, oh, my God, he's going to ask me to go be a missionary. Like, God, John's going to divorce me. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> so I'm sitting there like, God, what are you going to ask me? What are you going to ask me? And then, of course, Pastor Peter sends me this email three months yes! later. It was literally three yeah. months later. Are you serious? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. So I was hoping this it was email. I was at sitting at my desk in my office and you send me this email and the email goes hey do you want do you have a couple of minutes to talk like that was literally your email and then you called me and you were like hey so do you like your job this is exactly how the conversation went do you like your job i don't i don't ever remember saying that but okay uh he's like oh okay well do you want to quit and come work for metro (laughs) clearly i don't know how to do recruiting well (laughs) what was funny was um Weeks before, even like even a couple of months before that, you guys had been plugging the Jack Justice Advocacy Compassion Leader position at church. Mm. Um, and you were saying if you have a background in social work, but I never, like there was no 0% in my head where I thought, oh, maybe I should do that. Like no way, mm-hmm, right? I was mm-hmm, like, I'm not going to go work for the church. Like that's crazy. Yeah. So I never considered that. And then when you called me, I was like, oh snap, here it is. Like I just, it's just, I just knew like this, this there is you what, go. here we go. Like Bam. here it is. So yes, the council of people, sometimes it is your parents. I mean, maybe my mom wouldn't have told me to do that if hey. she knew the exact details. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. But, you you're, know? You're, but your mother is a very neutral person and she's really trying to see God for you, right? that's actually good to then consult because I hope my daughter consults with me about stuff Mm -hmm. like that. But there are parents, and you know this, that that won't do that. And they just, they're thinking about your financial future. And they'll just basically say yes or no based upon what makes better sense for your financial future. And that's the hard part. And I think, you know, that that kind of bias is what you don't want. You want people who really, like your mom, who cares about you fulfilling what God has called you to do and who know you well enough where you can say, can you please pray for me about this? I need you. I need to know that, you know, this, I'm not just feeling this and this is just me, but that God is going to speak through his people. And I just think that that confirmation through other people is really such a critical step to actually taking the step to fulfilling whatever God might purpose for your life, whatever calling he's placed upon your life. And uh, you know, the sad thing, Sue, about this is that years ago, I was actually having lunch or no, no, I'm sorry, breakfast with a finance person. Mm. And, you know, doing very well, you know, doing very well. And he just looked miserable, like absolutely miserable. And he just said, man, like this is this job is just, I hate it. I really hate doing this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh man, I was like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. And I said, well, like, 
And I, I posed him that question. I was like, well, listen, if money, family, situation, education wasn't an issue, I said, what would be like your dream job? And you know what he said to me? He said, a high school gym teacher. Oh, wow. And I, you talk about- So he about, knew. He knew exactly. Oh, he knew. He didn't even flinch. He goes, it would be wow. a high school gym teacher. I'm like, what? I, first, I was never expecting that answer. And then I said to him, I said, why don't you do it? And he looked at me and goes, are you crazy? You know how much my mother and father spent on my MBA, mm. on my undergrad education? They would kill me if I pursue that path. Mm. And I just said to him, I said, well, you have a choice. Whether you live, you, you make a decision, you're going to just live for your parents and what they expect of you, or you're going to really live for God and what he's called you to do and what he's really purposed for your life. And, you know, he's living very comfortably, doing very well, and uh, never struggling with finances. But the reality is, is that he's just very empty. And, um, and he's doing something that's, that's not really what, what God's wired him to do, you know? And, uh, and he loves young kids. He loves teenagers. He loves working with them. He's like, my dream job is to be a high school gym teacher. So if you're a high school gym teacher, man, I hope you feel good about yourself today. I have a kind of flip side question for you. Yeah. Is there ever a scenario, in your opinion, in your informed opinion, in which you hate your job and you really, really don't like it and you don't feel fulfilled, but God wants to keep you there for a season for a reason? Could this be a possibility? Sure. It, 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 it sure can. I think the, the key word for that is for the season. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I do think, you know, but it's not for the rest of your life. Hmm. You know, um, so you really feel like if you're miserable, there's no way this is a sustainable thing for the yeah. Rest of your God, life. God doesn't want yeah. you to be. And, okay. and I think the miserableness comes because you're not fulfilling what God's called you to f live. You right, know, I've, I've right. met enough people in my life, both both ends. I've met some people in my life. They're like, I can't believe I get paid to do this. Mm -hmm. That like, was when I was working at Metro. <laughs> yeah, you go. <laughs> no, because every, I literally remember. <laughs> I was happy in much, both jobs. Yeah. No, yeah. I was happy at Columbia. Yeah, I was happy at Metro. Yeah very differently yeah. um, because the if somebody asked me what is your job satisfaction while I was working at Columbia I would say it was pretty high because yeah. I was happy with my coworkers I yep. felt fulfillment in the job I did but it was still felt like a job to me yeah. so on Sunday nights I would literally be like oh god I want to go to work tomorrow literally I mean granted it's because Mondays were off at Metro but still even on Monday nights when I would have to go to work the next day on Tuesday, I literally never felt that nagging feeling of yeah. like, you know, every working person who has a job where they're unhappy knows that feeling of yeah. like, oh my gosh, it's Sunday, which means that I only have one more day until I have to go back yeah. to work. Like it's like the miserable yeah. anticipation of the yeah. job. And I will tell you, I never felt that at Metro, but ironically, it's not because I wasn't stressed out. Yeah. I was very stressed out oh, working yeah. at Metro. I still have dreams of <laughs> trying to find volunteers for things. Like I have yes. nightmares, like recurring yes. nightmares yes. of like yes. not having enough people for family promise or yes. something, you know? Yes. Um, yes. And you've had to do, you have to do another sleepover. Like I would be like, John, I just need you to do this again. <laughs> Like, yeah, you know, exactly. I know you're going to going to uh, work tomorrow morning at five, but I just need you to go to this sleep, homeless sleep shelter and just sleep there. Just it's just uh, once I recruited John's co-resident. You know what? One of oh Pete God. Gibson, if you're listening, John's co-resident, I oh recruited to do this. Oh, okay, because John. Like, nobody wanted to. Everybody yes, wanted yes, to do yes. the serving the meals yeah. and the playing with the kids, but the staying overnight at the shelter was very 
not attractive yeah. to a lot of people because everyone still wants to go home yeah. you know after their event is over and sleep in their beds and so i had to recruit john's co-resident i mean yes. he had been in the peace corps and stuff so he was totally used to it <laughs> um but i I'm, my point is to say i had so much joy working at metro but it was not because it was easy yeah. and there was no yeah. stress it yeah. was one of the most difficult things i had yeah. to do but it was one of the happiest times um doing something right and, and, and let's just let's just use this as an example this is not to toot your own horn but like it's it's so it was so much bigger than you and that's the, as i'm getting older i'm realizing mm -hmm. it's so much bigger than me because like what you did there and for the years that you put through like if you didn't do that for us we would never be where we are today in the sense where like we wouldn't even be thinking about a community center um and and and, and building a community center for the city of englewood uh, we would never be thinking about that uh, we certainly couldn't have like the deep discussions we're having now about race and racial justice you know like we, like you and i we thought about how do we do this you know we started the small groups yes remember the small group that yeah. you that you created like a cultural immersion so there were all these things that you that we were that you were able to incubate and start and now we were able to take it you know sunita joined on and she took it and, and with her team now they're taking it to a different level but all of that's like it was so much bigger than you but you think about the legacy you're leaving and you're thinking about like the lives that are being impacted by that i mean that's god's calling you know and you decided to do something like that and i think that's what's important it's fulfilling it's not easy but it's like you know you you can't believe you get paid to do this and i think that's an important aspect to it but it's hard it's not easy like it you said it was hard yeah it but was the hard. other aspect but at least you're at least you're struggling and suffering for something that's worth it because God has called you to do this. But could you imagine suffering and struggling for something that God has not called you to? And that's when people are just miserable. Money, it's usually money, yeah, It's right? just money. Yeah. And that's the dangling fruit that I wanna encourage our listeners. Guys, don't live your life to make a lot of money. It's overrated. I had this conversation with somebody yesterday and this guy was rich. I mean, you know, rich in my eyes. I mean, the guy's definitely a multimillionaire and stuff like that. Uh, I think that's wants, rich in most people. But he wants <laughs> more, like he wanted more money. And I'm like, what more do you you want you got a couple of houses you got several cars you just bought a what new did they Harley. want I was like, he he wants he just he doesn't think he's rich enough and he's like i huh. need to get more i need to have more more wealth and i was like that's just going to create more problems and he just said this to me he said peter you know what like i would just like to have those problems like i want to just be there though i want to be i want to be able to have that kind of wealth and i'm okay with dealing with those problems you know like but i would like to have that problem for my life. Hmm. And I just, you know, I just felt like that's the sentiment I think of most people, not every everyone, but the 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 sentiment for a lot of people is that they want to they want to pursue a goal where they can make a lot of money and be and be wealthy and be really wealthy. And so I just don't think, you know, like how much is really enough? Like how much, you know, like when I was a, when I was in college, I thought, well, if I can make this much money, I'll be good. And it's just, it's just never enough. It doesn't satisfy. No matter how much you make, money just doesn't satisfy. And, um, and I just think, you know, we, we get so incredibly engrossed in our vocation to the point where we're just like, we're going to make whatever money we can. And the sad part is that our parents, you know, because money does give power. Money does make life easier and mm -hmm, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Our parents have really, really convinced us or brainwashed us to believe that that's really all we should be going for. We should be living our lives to be financially wealthy. And, and I just think it's overrated. I mean... I will say as somebody who was downwardly mobile in her life, um, in her kind of childhood to teen years, meaning I started off my childhood being relatively rich, like especially because I was living in Guatemala. And so Guatemala. Guatemala. So yeah. in order, like the wealthy 
there's no middle class. Like there's basically the people who have very, very little and then there's no middle class and then you jump up to like very upper class. Okay, I need to ask you something. A very personal question. Did you have a chauffeur? Yes, everybody who oh, is in you the was, you, upper you, class. We also had, had a live-in maid. We had a huh? live-in maid, Paulina. What? She lived with us. Yeah, Holy she lived with us for smokes, seven years. Girl. Okay. Um, she was great, but yeah, I mean, but this is like natural life mm. in Guatemala. You yeah. know, I know it's it's weird when I try to explain it to people who haven't know, lived the there. States, but yeah, I mean, but we paid her forty dollars a month mm. to live with us. Forty dollars wow. a month. <laughs> like, I feel like that's. I mean, but apparently this was considered a generous like she my mom paid more than any other korean lady who had a maid wow you know so um yeah so it's not like as fancy as you would think yeah. it is but um we were so i started off like my childhood preteen years pretty comfortable never thinking about money yeah uh, my grandfather had a pretty big business in guatemala um and yeah like we were doing well and mm -hmm. then the recession hit, I want to say it was maybe the late 90s. Um, and basically, right before that recession, my grandfather had decided he's going to get this huge loan from the bank and open oh, a no. huge factory because at the time, his two factories were too small to fulfill all the orders that were coming in. Mm -hmm. So he had this good idea, like in his business mind, he was like, if I had a big enough factory to fulfill all these orders, I could make so much more money. Yeah. But yeah. he took this huge loan um, from the bank with the two factories yeah. and then made this huge factory. And then as soon as that factory was being built, the market crashed and no mm -hmm. retail just crashed, right? My, my, my grandfather's factories were making clothes. Um, and so, there were no orders, like literally wow. crickets, no orders. And at first they were like, I'm sure we'll recover. So they just kept hemorrhaging more money into the factory. But then towards like the last year or two, it was kind of like, this is not going to recover. We can't pay for any of our factories. And so they went completely bankrupt. Wow. So I want to, it was maybe around my senior year of high school. So I kind of have seen the trajectory of what it's like to never have to think about money yeah. to then a place where you're, all you're thinking about is money. I mean, literally, that's all because that's your preoccupation. Like, yeah. when am I going to get money for my next mortgage? Where are we going to get money to buy our groceries? You know? And so yeah. I understand that money is a real thing. Sure. Like, I'm not dismissing it as, you know, like, I understand that it's a privileged situation to be able to say, like, don't, con don't concern yourself about money. Yep, yep, yep. But would you say that if God has a purpose for you, he will never let you starve? Like, or maybe 100%. like for a season, <laughs> but no, like he will provide, he will provide. 100%. He will yeah. always provide. Maybe not to the degree you want. Exactly. Right? Yep. He will always provide and, and you never have to worry about that. And I firmly believe if you really want to get wealthy with God's providence and guidance, um, you really need to make sure that uh, you're following the calling that God's place. Because I do believe God calls some folks to be incredibly wealthy. You know, and um, and and do great Lucky things people. for the Lord. You know, <laughs> uh, you know what? I I don't envy them. I no. I, I honestly, have no. They, they, I don't envy wealthy people, even Christian wealthy people at all, because like, I, I I feel like I'm incredibly blessed. Just you know, for me, I see my greatest you know value in life is with my kids and mm -hmm. my wife, mm -hmm. and as long as that's good, I feel like I'm the wealth, wealthiest person in the world. And so for me, like, it all depends on where you find your greatest value. And so, but anyway, but no, but God does call, you know, Christian people to be very wealthy. But if you want God to help you with that and to be su successful financially, 
yeah, you got to make sure you're doing what God's calling you to do, but then you got to make sure you honor God with your wealth. And that's a whole nother podcast that we can talk about mm-hmm. later. Mm-hmm. But the big thing is, is that, yeah, you got to do what God's calling you to do. But part of that, I don't think it happens unless you really ask yourself, what do I really want to do? What do I want to invest my life in? What makes me sing? Because God's God created us. He created us with a purpose. And so naturally with that, whatever that purpose is, your heart will feel it. You're, you're, mm-hmm. You'll get excited mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. Like you did when like, you were studying, you know, accounting 101, you know, and you God, were doing all these so you know survey classes <laughs> like that statistics and all that stuff oh and then, god i hate a statistic right and then you said like when you were taking in graduate program your social work courses it was like jesus to you oh my gosh that's I exactly it. yeah exactly and so i mean it, like I, I i was never an academic i hated school i never did well in school and uh <laughs> but when i went to seminary it's like i was like holy smokes this is the greatest thing mm-hmm. i've ever been a part of and i was like I'm just gonna study my butt off and do the best i can because i know this is gonna really help me for what god is calling me so i just think it's really important and for our audience like my question my question that you should the question you need to answer is if money your family your education um you know whatever situation it is that's often holding you back um if that wasn't an issue at all, what would you be doing with your life? Mm-hmm. You need to answer that question. You really need to answer that question. And this is for all ages, not all just ages. you know my five like five I mean, year old children Moses. or college Moses. students, but yeah. all ages. Think about that. Think about yeah. the story of Moses. The dude was yeah. eighty five years old. He was a fugitive. He was in hiding, and all of a sudden, God calls him. So mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. care, you know, like how old you are. Think about Abraham and Sarah, man. Abraham was a hundred years old before he had Isaac, you know, and he was heading, you know, towards where God was leading him. So it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. You just have to ask that question. You know, if money, circumstances, education, your family wasn't an issue right now, what would you be doing with your life? And and what how you answer that um, is really the the place where you need to figure out if that's where God's calling you. So then, what you need to do is that if you're married, you need to talk about that with your spouse. You should be in a time of mm-hmm. prayer. Your mm-hmm. spouse, if she doesn't agree or he doesn't agree with you and he's really against it, then you can't do it and because no vocation is worth your marriage. Right, right. Please understand me on this. No vocation, even if God calls you to do it, is worth your marriage because the greatest vocation that God has called you to is your spouse. So then you right? should take like a 40-day fast and pray for your spouse to change their mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, so when, when <laughs> I told Jenny, like, God's calling me to be a pastor. I got to do this. And she's like, okay. All right. She's like, you know what? Okay. But she said, my only non-negotiable is you got to go to seminary in New Jersey or New York. You got to go to Princeton, go to Alliance. Like I want to be close to my family. And I was like, but honey, God's leading us to California. Like I feel like God's really leading us to LA. Like God is leading us there. She said, no, I'm never going to do it. And so I did exactly, you know, like, like Sua, I was so bad. I mean, I used like Versus to abuse, like try to manipulate her to go to California. And I was like, honey, you're not going to believe this, but you know, like in Ephesians 5, it says that the <laughs> wife should submit to the authority of her husband. Shame <laughs> on you. You're so bad. She this looked like trauma in the Yo, this is why. This is why my wife's a savage. You know what she said to me? She goes, You can't make me do something I don't want to do, so stop it. And I was like, Okay. 
You know, I like mean, there's nothing else I can do. She's not wrong. Yeah, she's one hundred percent right. But I tried to use the Bible to manipulate her to go to California. And and at that at that point, like I couldn't go to sleep at night because I knew God was really leading us there. And I share this at Metro. So people who go to Metro, and especially you probably remember the story, but it was late at night. It was past midnight. You know how early I go to bed, right? Yes. Because I, I wake up to go to prayer meeting, right? I gotta get up at like four thirty to go to prayer meeting. So I couldn't go to sleep. So I'm thinking like she's gonna ruin everything. Like God is calling me to do this and she's ruining everything. I got accepted, you know, and everything, and I want to go. And then, uh, like, I started, I got, I got, I went to the living room, and I said, God, how come God, I was like, how come Jenny doesn't see what we see? Like, what's <laughs> going on here? Like, why doesn't she see what you and I see? Like, what's, can you work with There's her a little bit? There's three in this marriage. It's like, you <laughs> yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, so here's what God said to me, and this should help some of you uh, some of you couples, like, especially if you feel like God's leading you somewhere, because you'd never do it unless your spouse behind it. He said, Peter, do you trust me? And I was like, of course I trust you. I'm willing to go to California. Of course I trust you. Then he said, well, then if you really trust me, then you got to empower your wife to make, make this decision for your future without your input. And you got to submit to it. Hmm. And I was like, I'm not going to do that, God. Because if I do that, she's going to say no. She's going to stay. She's going to say we stay in New Jersey. And he kept saying that whole night, do you trust me? Do you trust me? And to my shame, that evening, I said, I don't trust you, God. Hmm. Because I know Jenny so well. If I give her the power to make this decision without my input, she's going to say no. And I find this that, very interesting that you trusted him enough to give up your career and fly halfway across the world, that's how but you don't trust. No, no, no. Yes. I just find it very, like, it's it's so paradoxical well, so that just, you trust him with the rest of your life, but you don't trust him with your wife's decision. Because my wife's a savage, man. I know she's <laughs> going to say no. I know how much she loves her parents. I know how much of, like, her parents and her family makes her, like, like it's such a big part of her life. And so, like, for a month, we just fought more than ever. And then I just said, all right, God, you know what? I'm going to trust you. I guess I'm going to trust in you. Because I, I can't do her, anything else. Yeah, I can't do it. She's not going to budge. Like, I'm trying everything. It's, not, it's getting worse. So I said, honey, listen, um, I'm sorry for the hell I've, I've made your life these last couple of months. Um, I, was, I was praying, and God told me that you can make the decision. You know, And she said, for what? I was like, you can make the decision whether we go to California or not. And she smiled. She goes, you know it's going to be a no. Yeah, yeah. And I said, I took a real deep breath and I said, honey, if you, I just want you to pray about it for 30 days. And after 30 days, if that's your answer, we'll stay. She mm -hmm. said, okay. But she said, Peter, it's going to be a no. I just want to prepare you. Yeah. It's going to be a no. Yeah. I will pray about it. And I said, okay. I didn't mention California, nothing in that entire month. And in that month, man, God transformed our heart. And she said, okay, let's go. And that was it. That's I mean, what that I mean. That is a miracle, right? It's that a, is that is a miracle. It's the biggest miracle yeah, I've yeah. ever. If there was ever a confirmation for you that this was what you needed to do with your life, I mean, Jenny changing her mind was it. It you was know? the parting of the Red Sea for me, you know. <laughs> and 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 so when I asked her, and so I did ask, I was like, like years later, I said, "What what made you change your mind?" Because you were like, "I'm not going. Yeah, I'm not going." Yeah. She just said, "Peter, I saw how miserable you were." Like, mm -hmm. I saw how miserable you were at work. And, like, even for me, because, you know, I struggled a little bit about ministry and stuff like that. You know, you were applying for other jobs. Like, I even applied for a job in Korea. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, what were you going to do there? Uh, work at, uh, um, you know, a television studio and just make commercials for them, you know, and oh, stuff like that. That's what I did. So, like, I, like, you know, I tried everything. Everything. Like, I just, she's like, nothing was coming through. Mm -hmm. 
And I just saw how miserable you were. And it was just through that and through prayer, like God just said, no, you, you need to go to California. And so, yeah, and that's kind of how it happens. So my encouragement to the audience is this, is that you really need to figure out what God has called you to do with your life. That, that's actually a real thing. And here's the problem, though, Sue. This is the caution. You have to be willing to do it, though, if God reveals it to you. Because if God doesn't, re if, if God reveals you, reveals to you His calling, and you don't do it, your life's going to be miserable. Even more miserable than more you miserable than are. it is right now. Hands down, more miserable. In the years of Metro that I have pastored here at this church over the past eighteen years, there has only been two instances where that has been so evident. I've seen it mm -hmm. where they they were like, "I think God's calling me to this. Can you pray? Can you confirm?" I'm like, "Absolutely, I pray for you." confirm 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 and other people confirmed and they didn't do it mm. and i just you know i i'm not gonna i'm not gonna share too much details some of our audience might be able to figure it out but their lives are so <laughs> work. their lives are so miserable right now and i, I feel mean, terrible but that's the thing if you actually ask god and god reveals it to you and then you don't do it you're basically living your whole life in disobedience but you know i have a lot of empathy for people who don't not not because you know i think that's the right thing to do but because i am somebody by nature who is very risk averse and so i understand why a lot of times people would want to revert to the comf comfortable you know patterns of whatever they're already doing because at least it's something that's known because i think most people hate uncertainty sure and even when god calls you i feel like this is a pattern like Pretty much any time God calls you to do something that is your calling, it involves risk. Yeah. Um, it's never, I feel like, kind of a safety net, easy path um, that you want. So even for me, when I decided I was going to go work in Metro, it was like a huge risk for me. And I right. remember sitting there in my interview with the leadership team being like, I really hope you guys don't want me. <laughs> You know, and Damaris was like, uh, are you sure you're interviewing for the job? Like, I just don't want to say anything because I just don't want yeah. you to be like, yes, we want you to do this because I'm yeah. like trying to be obedient here. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't really want to do it. Right. Um, because and the reason why was not necessarily it, to me. You know what? I was in the privileged state where I didn't have kids at the time. So it was kind of yeah. like money wasn't even like a big thing. It was more just. It was a very daunting prospect to have to yeah. start something from the ground up. Yep. Yep. Um, because I had never, you know, I was, I was like twenty five. I was like twenty five when I was you were that young. Yeah. I don't know what you were thinking, giving a twenty five year old um, the power the, to start a ministry. Well, we didn't. We didn't have very old people in our church during that time, so it was like you were I mean, probably like the normal now, average age. Yeah. When I, so I was twenty five <laughs> when I did it, but I, I became co. Uh, I became associate director. You were the director for the first year. Yeah. yeah, and then when I turned 26 is when officially the baton got handed over. But it was a huge risk for me because sure. um, it involved people that I was interacting with regularly on Sundays. So if yeah. I screw up and fail, like this is humiliating. Like all, a lot of my social circles will know like, oh, Sue, I totally screwed that up. <laughs> like all of our tides, like she totally screwed that up. Like it was a big burden yeah. for me to take on that responsibility. And I think ultimately I'm so thankful that God, you know, kind of revealed himself to me. And I said, yes, um, because it turned out to be one of the most fruitful years. And I learned so much about, you know, how God works. Right. Do you have something that you wanted to add? No, 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 no. I, I'm just, so you're saying that you have a lot of empathy for people who don't follow. But I have a lot of empathy for people who feel like, oh my gosh, like that's a big risk for me, yeah. you know? And I don't know if I, I'm, so, you know, yeah. 
I disagree with that. I don't have empathy for people you who don't. disobey. No, I don't because if God's if you hear God, like what what role is, does God play in your life? Like is he bigger? Is your comfort bigger than God? Because at the end of the day, like, don't you think God knows you better? And don't you think God's going to take care of you? And he's going to, you know, it's not going to be. Yes. Yes. But I think that's the thing, though. It's like going back to your whole story about how you trusted God with all of these things, but you still couldn't let go of that Jenny part. I feel like a lot of times the question is people trust God to some degree, but there's always some things that it's really hard to surrender to God. So even if you surrender like 85%, 90%, I feel like a lot of times people struggle with that last 10% of, do you Mm -hmm. really trust God? Like if you have a family or if you, you know, do you might trust God to, you know, open doors for you, for you to have a new career, but it's like, do you trust God to then, you know, be able to provide for the, for your family? Like these are, I feel like it's like, do you trust God fully? I think is the question. And that's the thing. And I think for me, it took, yeah, it took like a a month or so for me to say, okay, well, you know what? It's not working. I'm just going to trust you with it. So yeah, there is a, there is sort of a, a growth pattern there. But what I will say is this, like, it's better to fail at something that God is calling you to do than to not try mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. Because if God is calling you to do something, why wouldn't you give yourself to do it? Because he's your God, you know? Like, here's the problem with Americans when they think about Christianity. You don't see Jesus as your king. Because when you look at, like, when you read the Gospels, like, Jesus is king. And we live in a democracy. We don't live in a monarchy. And so because we live in a democracy, we think that our opinion really matters and it's and it plays a huge critical mm-hmm. role in everything. And that's what democracy is about, right? And you, and you, you see that. And that's and in many ways it's, it can be a beautiful concept. But you know, in God's economy, it's not a democracy, right. it's a monarchy. Right. right. And when you if you ever grew up in a monarchy, if you disobey the king, there is severe consequences to that. Mm. And we don't see this relationship as like Jesus is our king. And if he's calling you to do something, you trust your king and you go for it. And this king is sovereign. He's going he's gonna to take care of you. He's going to provide for you. And I think it's still better to fail at something that God has called you to do. And, and, and people have confirmed it, your spouse is behind it and things like that, then you're not taking it because, and you just saying, I'm not because I don't know what's going to happen. I'm afraid. Who knows? I think that disobedience is so deep and I've seen people do that. And I've seen, I've, I, don't, I don't have a lot of experience, but I've seen a couple folks from our church do that. And I just, I see what happens in their life. And it's just so miserable because they didn't have they didn't have the courage to say, you know well, what, I'm going to do it. I think as you're speaking, it, it's becoming very clear that it's it's the fear. I think it's the fear yeah. of not knowing, which once again plays into the question of like, how much do you trust God? Right. Right. If you tr- if you trust God, then you should be able to do it. Uh, but I think a lot of times the fear hold us, holds us back. Of yeah. Like, well, what's going to happen if A, B, or C? You know. Right. Um, and you're right. I mean, it. it even even if you're a lot of times, I think even if people are miserable, it's still in their minds. It's better to be miserable with something right. that you know than to go into the unknown with the possibility yeah. of something greater. You know, and it's, and, and and the sad reality of that is because that's so that's so the position of so many people. You don't fear God enough. Mm. That's the problem. You fear comfort. You feel the unknown. Then you actually fear God. And in Proverbs and Psalms, it always says. The beginning of wisdom starts with fearing God. 
And, um, and one of my prayers that I pray all the time is uh, Psalms 112. It says something to this effect. It says that true joy comes from those who fear the Lord. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I pray that every day for me. I just say, Holy Spirit, can you please give me the power and the strength to find true joy, peace, and hope by fearing God and obeying His commandments? Like, I want to like find true joy in fearing God and obeying His commandments because that is such a biblical way of living that when we can let that be the beginning point, then yeah, you might have other fears, but fear God. Like, God is, is deserving of us being in all of Him. You know, and stuff. And so, any event, I, I would just say that uh, fearing God is, we have to fear God. And, More than and we fear other things. Yeah, because if we, did, then we would know if God's calling us to do something, then we should do it. And, and yeah. So. It's also, I think, I mean, I joked about this, about when my mom called me and she was like, God's going to ask you a big ask. And I was like, oh, I don't want to be a missionary. But I mean, I think that's kind of funny because we have this idea that God's, Gotta yeah, call us to lives. do something we hate. Yeah. 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 But it's like God wants you to live a full and abundant life, you know? And yes. that's not he's not gonna call you to do something that makes you miserable. You know? He the true mark of knowing that you're in that sweet spot of what God has called yes. you to do is that you have peace and joy in your life. And exactly. I can say that because well this ties into one of the reasons why I'm, I was very happy at my time at Metro, um, I think, was because I was able to surrender the part of me that felt like this was mine. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I never felt like Jack was mine was because I never felt like I was capable of doing it. Like, yeah. I never once in my five years of working at Metro as the Jack director felt like I got this. Like, ever. The like, it was always advocacy, like Advocacy and Passions director. <laughs> it was always like, yeah. God, I don't know what I'm going to do now. Like, every day it was like, God, I don't know why I'm doing this. You know, it was like, help me now. You know, it was, I never felt like, yeah, I've hit like a really autopilot moment. Like, I'm really good now. You know, and so it never felt like something that belonged to me. Like, Jack yeah. was never a possession yep. of mine. And my That's identity Identity was never Jack director. You know, yes. this was something that God placed in my time for now, yep. but I never felt like that was just my thing. And so yeah. when I transitioned out of Jack um, and then became a stay-at-home mom, now I know, even though it's vastly different from my previous roles as medical social worker yep. or justice advocacy compassion director, um, I know I still am in that sweet spot yep. of God's calling because yep. I'm so happy yep. doing what I'm doing and I feel yeah. so fulfilled. Um, and I think, so it, it's not always, I think, necessarily tied to a specific job for the rest yeah. of your life. I think it's also just knowing if God's telling you, okay, it's time to let go and move to the next chapter, yes. making sure your identity is not so tied up so cool. with the success yeah. of whatever that quote unquote calling was, then now you feel like you're going to be yeah. nothing if you lose that, you know? What you just said is so deep. I don't even think you understand that the profoundness of what you just shared. Um, and this is, this is so, 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 so important for, for you guys to grab before we end today. You are not your role. Hmm. You are not your role. And even the best of us, including myself, I've done this before where I have found my identity in being a pastor at Metro Community Church. The farther I remove myself from that and find my identity in being truly a child of God and, and, and find my identity in that, that's when I can really do the things that God wants me to do. And so mm -hmm. I think many times when pastors really mess up and they screw up and, you know, and they just they struggle so much in ministries because they find so much of their identity there. And I know 
I know it because I've been there. But, you know, the great thing about God is that he works with you um, to get there and to get healthier and stuff like that. But what you just said is so important because part of fulfilling the calling of God is not to find that calling, not to allow that calling to determine who you are as a person. Right. You are not right. your role because God will call you to do other things. You just right. never know. But that you do it because God gave you an order. He called you. He created you to do it. And then you do it. And so, yeah, you know, like I don't, I don't, this is not to, you know, I just hope this, this is us. I, I'm, I'm being very aggressive, Sua, because I'm so passionate because I know without mm -hmm. a shadow of a doubt, this is what God wants of all of us, that right. he's calling you to do something with your life and he wants you to fulfill it. And there is no coddling here. Oh, oh maybe when you're ready. No, do it now. Stop. <laughs> Stop waiting. Stop it. Stop doing that. I've seen a few people where I just... I, my heart breaks when I think about them because they didn't do what God was calling them to do. And they pursued it and they wanted it and they did it. Now, some of you might be like, well, then you know what? I'm not going to even pursue it because God forbid I don't obey it, then I'm going to be more miserable. Yeah, I mean, listen, pick pick the <laughs> poison because you're miserable attitude. right now. Like, pick the poison right now. But at least if you can discern it, you have a chance. You have a chance to live something different than what your life is right now. You have an opportunity like what Sue has been sharing, what I've been sharing about life. You know, it's hard. It's not easy. But you have true joy, peace, and hope. And you're mm -hmm. connected with God mm -hmm. in such a deep way. And you're realizing, God, this is so much bigger than me. And you get to see God work. He puts you in a yeah. front row seat yeah. where you get to see God do amazing things. And why wouldn't you want that to be a big summation of what your life's all about? You know, and why would you want your life to be so predictable? And uh, like every single day, I mean, that's like, you know, if you've ever watched that old movie, the Groundhog's Day, some of you are like living the Groundhog's Day. Like every day is the same. And when you can fulfill the calling that God has for you, something there's something new all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So anyway, um, any, any, any final words, Sua, before, uh, before we end today? Yes. Um, go piggybacking on what you said. I think that's awesome. And I think that, you know, God... God wants you to have a really fulfilling life. I think this is something that I know for sure. Like it, he does not yes. want you to live in that groundhog monotony. Um, I feel like there's a reason why a lot of us have that hunger for adventure. I think it's because God, God wants to go on an adventure with us. He yeah. wants to reveal new things to us. But when we close that side off because we're too busy wanting to stay in the comforts, of you know the idols that we've created i think we miss out on a really big part of what god is you know able to offer us so yeah and that's why so like like i see this like i do this i used to do the spartan races and the reason why people have to do a lot of those things is because they have no adventure in their life right right they're so bored with their life that they got to put themselves in a place where they're putting themselves in danger i mean listen the spartan race is a sore subject for me because yeah, you know, seriously my seriously. husband broke his back <laughs> I, I've seen people and they wear like a badge and it's like, no, no, no. If yeah, if you want a true adventure, live for the Lord and just Say go yes follow to God. the calling that is, that is called upon your life. That's and right. you'll see that adventure open up in a way that you've mm -hmm. never, never imagined. So Much better than the Spartan race. Much better than the Spartan race. Nothing against the Spartan so race. much better than the Spartan race. No, I do have a little something against the Spartan race. I think, oh, you do? I think They're never going to sponsor us now. It, it's like a... <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, but people are like, listen, if you want an adventure, follow what God's calling you to do. And I guarantee yeah. it'll yeah. be an adventure of a lifetime. You know, it really will be. So I know awesome. you might have a lot of questions or thoughts. Please feel free to share. We'll be happy to try to answer them the best we can. But do want to thank you so much for listening. Please have a great day. We'll see you the next. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.